This episode of the Bamboo Pastors Podcast has been brought to you by the Growth Center for Church and Mission. The Growth Center has established the Entrepreneurial Ministry Leader, a ministry ecosystem which brings together pastors, ministry leaders, and marketplace leaders who are finding creative ways to utilize their faith and their talents to bring the gospel to the cities and communities they live in. Check them out at thegrowthcenter.com. Welcome to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast, a podcast that explores the joys and challenges of being an English-speaking pastor in a Chinese church. I'm Jalen Chan, and I'm here with my co-host, John Mon. Hey, everyone. Together, we host the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. We're glad that you're here with us. Come on in and have a seat at the table. All right, welcome back to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. I am Jalen. That is John. John, good to see you. How are you doing? How's your week been? Hey Jalen, uh, it's been good. You know, um, it uh, this week I've been just spending a, a bit of time thinking about our young adult ministry, and um, you know, even though my title at my church is worship pastor, I, I feel like half my responsibilities, if not more, have been in the young adult ministry, and that's something that I'm really glad for. That um, I really get to you know shepherd people. Uh, it's something that I really love, and I think that's probably my uh, area of strength. But we, you know, um, over the last like six months or so, really switched up how we did ministry and, you know, moved to doing a regular gathering at my home with like a potluck dinner and um, Bible study and like sharing testimonies and prayer, playing games, hanging out. And it's just been really good. I think it was a relatively small young adult ministry when I arrived, um, but it's just been cool to see how the Lord has been adding to our number. And And I think that looking back on six months, we kind of unintentionally or accident. I don't know if unintentional or accidental is the word, but I think it was just, this is the Lord's doing. Um, but we were really living out Acts 2.42 and we're seeing um, just the the fruit of that right now. And, and just a lot of other things, I think, um, that are ahead for us. So that's just something I'm, I've been really excited about. So we're starting a new Bible study series um, this week in the Gospel of John. And so, man, I, let me tell you, I've been trying to um, fit 21 chapters of John into like a 14, 15 week Bible study series has not been easy, um, but I think we have it figured out how we're going to do it. So, yeah. But what have you been up to? How's your week been? Yeah, it's been good. I was going to say that anybody knows you knows that you're a super relational guy. And so for you to be, you know, getting more involved with the young adults, I think definitely you know, it, you know, it, 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 it unlocks that, that part of you that I think is so you. And so I'm, I'm excited about that and, and just praying that, you know, your, your ministry at the young adults and discipleship and shepherding um, continue to grow and flourish. So that's exciting. Mm, thank you. Thank you, Jalen. Appreciate that. Yeah. For, for, for me, I have been, um, I think I mentioned before that I've been preaching through Ezra and Nehemiah. And so at the beginning of 2022, started out in Ezra chapter one and have just kind of been steadily going through almost chapter by chapter so far. And it's been, it's been, for me, it's been really exciting. And I've been, it's, it's been kind of unlocking scripture, the Old Testament for me in a way that I hadn't really experienced before. So that's been really fun to kind of do because I've been separately just in my own personal study have been going through chronicles and kings and hmm. just seeing the lead up and the build up to Ezra and Nehemiah as I'm preaching the books have been really helpful 
But I've also realized too, that there's so much in, in Ezra and Nehemiah that's about just having a clear vision for ministry, having a clear understanding of what God is calling his people to do. And I realize that for me as a pastor, um, like being a visionary is not like a strong suit for me. And mm -hmm. so I've struggled to kind of, as I'm preaching through this, like have a clear understanding of this is what God wants me to do or what our church should do. And, and to be able to communicate that through the, the, the sermon series that we're doing. So, um, it's been, it's been fun, but it's also been challenging for me um, and stretching me kind of in the ministry work. And so um, it's been, it's been good to kind of go through the sermon series. Yeah. You know, I, we've said this before, but I think one of the, I guess one of the, the few good things that have come out of this pandemic is that we can listen to each other's sermons pretty easily nowadays. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to checking that out. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to introduce again, the second part of our interview with Raj Christodas, who is the Senior Associate English Pastor at Cornerstone Chinese Church in Villa Park, Illinois. Uh, this is a great conversation with Raj, so we hope that you enjoy it. You know, I just want to maybe kind of change directions just a little bit. Uh, we've talked a bit about your, um, you know, your experience in the Chinese Heritage Church so far, um, but recently, just the, I think a few years ago, your church changed its name from Chinese Bible Church of Oak Park to now Cornerstone Chinese Church. And you're not the first person we've had on the podcast um, that had a, a name change with their church uh, in, in recent years. You know, actually, several of our friends who served in the Chicagoland area have have done this. But um, I, I found it interesting that as churches, you know, have processed this process, um, name changes and made decisions for it, you know, there's different things that I think creep up or just kind of bubble up to the surface as as values and something that I noticed for like uh, say one of our other friends um, Pearson you know their church when they changed their name they did not keep um, the Chinese part of their name in the name but you guys have chosen to do that and so I'm really curious like what was the thought behind that what was the rationale what was the conviction that led you guys to do that um, because I don't think necessarily one way is better than the other. Um, it's just different. And really, I think, speaks to how God is leading your particular congregation, your particular, you know, church. Thanks. So first of all, we moved from Oak Park to Villa Park. It would have been easy just to call ourselves Chinese Bible Church of Villa Park. However, we really went through a process of discernment and prayer and asking the Lord, what best fits our congregation and what best allows people to feel that this would be their spiritual home. So to understand that we moved because we wanted to reach the Chinese and Asian American populations in the Western suburbs. We were in Oak Park for roughly 40 years and we were landlocked and we did not have the opportunity to expand and create new spaces for our growing congregations. And so after we sold our building in Oak Park, we rented space uh, at Logo Seminary in Bensonville. And then we purchased an existing church building in Villa Park. And then we remodeled it, this new building that now houses three language services that meet simultaneously. So we are still predominantly Chinese, meaning we have Cantonese and Mandarin services at 1030 and an English service at 1030. 
And we wanted to be in a position, a space where we could be accessible. When we were in Oak Park, it was very difficult just to get to Oak Park because of the Eisenhower Expressway. But we wanted to be central. And so as a result, we chose this area because it has the thoroughfares of 294, 8853, 83, 290, you name it. And we realized that the demographics of the Asian populations in the Western suburbs have changed drastically just in the last five to 10 years. Uh, the Asian American populations have doubled. For example, in Oak Brook, it's now 24% Asian or Downers Grove, that's 10%. Uh, you know, you would have never dreamt of this 10 years ago. And our church, uh, I think, has the ability to reach these populations, especially the Chinese-speaking populations. Any church can reach the multi-ethnic populations, but we felt like we were uniquely placed there to reach the Cantonese Mandarin-speaking populations. And we as an English church, for the most part, we've been in existence to support the ministries of the Cantonese and the Mandarin ministries. And that's been our identity for a very long time. And we felt like that's the way to do ministry that's unique to our calling and unique to us following our commission as a church. Yeah, I'm curious if there was ever a point in the discussions of the name change, did it ever, was there ever a strong push to remove the Chinese out of the name? No, actually, there was, a, <laughs> there was great controversy because we took Bible out of the name. <laughs> um, but as far as taking Chinese out of the name, that, was, that wasn't that, that much of a serious issue at all. Um, people still saw us as a primary Chinese church, because two out of the three congregations are Chinese language speaking uh, congregations. So yeah, it was not a, that much of an issue at all. I, you know, I find it just amazing that you have all three of your congregations meeting at the same time. That is almost unheard. I don't think I've ever heard of that in a, in a Chinese heritage church, you know, at like in our church, there was a point when they ran three services back to back to back and all like in the morning, which I don't even know how we did that. So uh, to have all three running at the same time, everyone there, one kids program for the whole church, that just sounds like the dream. Yeah, I forgot about the ch uh, children's ministry. They also meet at the same time downstairs. You're right. Thank you. Yeah, well, it sounds like that there is a lot of uh, unity and, and you know, uh, some good, some some clear vision on why you wanted to keep Chinese. And it, and it probably comes out of some really strong relationships between the leadership in the, the Cantonese, the Mandarin and the English congregations. Um, I, I'm interested in just your, your relationship with those, those leadership teams, with the different congregations, you know, you've been there for 20 years now. How have the relationships between the Cantonese pastors and leaders and the Mandarin pastors and leaders for you, how, how is that, how has that changed and grown over time? You know, when I first joined this church, it was predominantly run by the Cantonese congregation. I want to say 70% of the um, core leadership on the church board were Cantonese speaking. And I, I want to say one person from the Mandarin and the other 25% from the English. Now it's flipped. 
where it's uh, like 70% English and 20% Cantonese and 10% Mandarin. Um, and that's partly because of the age factor because the Cantonese populations have gotten older and there's no more new immigrants coming from Hong Kong. Um, that's part of it. But it also shows the maturity of the English congregation that we've stuck together. And we have really honored the contributions of the Cantonese congregations, just like they were there for us when we were young. We want to be there for them when they're older and support them. Um, but I think the key in all of this is the communication factor, as you were alluding to, Jalen, is that we have one board for all three congregations. And I know only a few churches have this in Chinese heritage churches, but that has paid off. It's hard work. You have to keep talking. You have to be able to clearly state your vision so that the other congregation understands. But it's worth it in the long run, especially to see the development and growth of the leaders as well as the growth of the church. Um, some people don't think it's worth it. And I think those are the people that miss out on that experience, but it's worth the leadership experience of doing the hard work of making sure that all people on the board are on the same page and to include the other two congregations on what's going on. And it's also important for the pastors. The key element here is the pastors need to communicate. They need to be talking regularly. They need to be talking at least once a week. So we have a, a staff meeting that lasts anywhere from three to four hours once a week. Um, Yes, uh, sometimes it can get pretty long, it can get arduous, but it's worth it because it keeps everybody on the same page and we know what's going on in each other's congregation. Um, and I have to say also, I, I like the family atmosphere of the church. You know, people care about me as a pastor, but they also care about my family. Uh, I, I get this question a lot. I, I, people ask me, why are you in a Chinese church? And I say, well, I'm not married to a Chinese wife. I don't have any Chinese kids, but this is where God has called us. And this is where God will have us serve him faithfully. And I've tried to do that to the best of my ability. And the church has honored me for that. You know, I have grown as a leader. When I came to this church, I think I'm, I was 25% the person and leader I am today. By God's grace, you know, I've grown in the Chinese church. Um, and most of it for better, because I appreciate the humble attitude of our leaders to have patience with me and to develop the person and leader I am today. And uh, especially people that are older and wiser. It's a humbling experience, but I think that's what the church needs more than ever, our ability to listen to each other and really respect each other's views and honor each other. Yeah, you know, I, I love that, you know, you've been serving faithfully at your church for 20 years now. And um, I really believe that, you know, Cornerstone is, uh, you know, experiencing the fruit of that faithfulness. 
Um, I, I imagine, and well, I don't imagine this. I know this because you're not our first podcast guest that isn't ethnically Chinese. We have had other pastors on who serve in Chinese contexts that, um, you know, uh, like yourself had to learn and adapt and, and grow into a different culture. Uh, and so I, I bet that there are probably people listening to this podcast that um, maybe have similar stories to yours. And I was wondering if you had any uh, wisdom or insight, uh, maybe just or advice you wanted to share with them uh, specific to somebody who is not ethnically Chinese um, on ways that they can really grow into the role or, or the call that God has given them. And, and especially, I think, as I was hearing you talk about how important communicating with the other pastors are, were there any particular things that helped with, you know, a, adapting and learning to communicate well across sometimes language, you know, differences or cultural differences? That's something that we have had to develop over time. It doesn't, doesn't come naturally to any of us. Um, just to sit there in one room and to share your thoughts, to share your experiences, to talk about what happened last weekend. Uh, and sometimes it's kind of repetitive, but I think to sit there and listen to one another and interact shows that you care about the other person. It shows that you care about their ministry because we're all part of the same church. Um, I think it's it's a practice that you develop and a, a respect that over time you also understand the other person a little bit better because we all have our limitations we often think the the chinese language pastor is a little bit different is not as articulate but at the same time they have their own set of experiences their richness and experience that they bring to the to the ministry, I think you can't discount that. And as a result, I think you have to respect and honor the other person such that they are giving you the time of day and you're doing the same, the same thing for them. And over time, you develop that relationship where you're able to work together and the other person realizes that you want to have your say, but at the same time, you want to listen to the other person. And so it's a two-way form of communication that uh, takes some time and uh, develops a, a relationship that's developed on uh, what some core biblical principles of really listening to one another and honoring the one another and respecting each other's points of view is something that's needed more than ever. I, I think that's where I would start. But let me share one more thing too. Um, you know, I shared about Pastor Fung. Uh, Pastor Fung passed away last year when I first came to this church. And I said, you know, I'm really struggling with my English congregation. Um, you know, especially the expectations. And he said something like this. He said, don't worry about what they think because they will come and go. Worry about what your Lord will say and what your wife will say. That's all you should care about because your wife is as much a part of this ministry as anybody else. And I want you to be listening to your wife as well. And, and I think that was wise because um, for the most part, I put my wife on the side because I didn't want her to be involved with all the issues and the problems. But once we sat together and I shared some of my thoughts, my concerns, my ideas, uh, some of my problems, 
we took ownership as a couple. And as a result, I included her in the ministry where she became an asset to the ministry and not just a tag along for the ministry. And I think that's paid dividends over time. Uh, My wife is a counselor. So one of the things that I especially love to do with my wife is provide counseling for um, couples and families because that's how she's gifted. You know, you would never see her teaching or preaching, but I try to utilize what, how God's gifted her so that she can be an asset and feel like she has a part in the ministry as well. Yeah, that's a great word. Well, the last question that we always ask is, what is one piece of advice? I know we just asked for some, uh, for some insight and wisdom there, but what's, what's, what's another piece of advice or encouragement you would give to someone who's currently serving in the Chinese Heritage Church? Be proud that you are serving in a Chinese heritage church. When I think about my own family and the last 20 years, you know, my kids have come to faith in a Chinese heritage church. They've been baptized in a Chinese heritage church. My wife and I are now empty nesters, and we're proud of the way our children have grown up uh, from the Chinese heritage church. The second thing I want to say about the Chinese Heritage Church is I see greater things for the Chinese Heritage Church, meaning God is using the Chinese Church to be a disciple-making entity across the globe, whether that be Africa, Middle East, Eastern Europe, South Asia. For example, you know, I often um, am asked this question, what is the difference between a Chinese church and any other church? I think the Chinese church has been built on the foundations of the word and the gospel, but at the same time, it's been built on the blood and the oppression of the people that have gone before us, especially those who've grown up in uh, communist China and so forth. And so they don't take their freedom for granted. And as a result, you know, there is a, a foundation there. There's a richness to people's faith. And I think that's the difference. And uh, I always say that when we are able to identify ourselves as an Asian church to other Asians, whether that be South Asians or Southeast Asians or Middle Eastern people, I think we're a stronger witness for the gospel because we do not have that white identity, the Caucasian identity. And I think people are listening because we're of Chinese heritage. And we've been in this country since the 1850s. And and we're starting to see the fruit of what's been invested in the Chinese heritage church. It's not been easy, but you start to see, especially the fruit of all the hard work and the labor, especially these days on the West Coast and East Coast and, and some in the Midwest. But praise God, God is doing a wonderful work in the Chinese Heritage Church, and I still believe the best is yet to come. Yeah, that's a good word, Raj. Thank you so much for sharing that with us from all your wisdom and insight and experience. We have really enjoyed uh, just hanging out with you tonight on the podcast. Thank you for coming on with us. Thank you for the opportunity. Thanks, Raj. 
That's the end of our episode. Thanks for joining us today on the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the pod on whatever platform you listen to us on. Rate and review us and check in every week as we explore the joys and challenges of ministry in the Chinese church. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bamboo Pastors. See you next time.